In the Newsroom is a production in partnership with Studio Stillwater. Every week, journalists from the Stillwater News Press invite listeners to join us in the newsroom and hear the story behind the stories. Hi, and welcome to the Newsroom. I'm Bo Simmons, editor of the Stillwater News Press. Joining me today is Tanner Holliber. I got kind of messed up your name. Yeah, you sure did. A little bit. Hullabaloo. <laughs> but hey, how's it going, everybody? Yeah. Michelle Charles. Hey. And Ashlyn Huffman. Hello. Who's ordering shorts. She's really worried that these workout shorts are going to sell out before okay. the podcast is over. I don't have my credit card. Oh. <laughs> Just a problem. Sometimes. That's, that's life, right? It is. That's, that's being an adult. And rather than saying... Sorry, work. I got fun stuff to do. You say, sorry, fun stuff. I've got work to do. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. That's one of the (laughs) hardest parts of being an adult, really. So what happened last week? Yeah, which is this week to us, but we'll say last week. One of our, not, I don't know, bigger story, but probably more exciting is Ashlyn went out on what was reported as a shots fired and a potential suspect spotted now there's a reason we're real careful with those words which we'll explain in a minute but we heard the call on the radio right Mm -hmm. and what what do you remember of the the first report that came in um it just came in as a shots fired call which those come on all the time honestly and so I was going to listen to it a little bit before I jumped out because every time I jump out on shots fired it's nothing it's usually just like a transformer blue or someone thought they heard a gun and it wasn't a gun but this time I was like you know Bo's like go and so I had him listen to the scanner because uh, I actually lost my car scanner so Bo was listening to the scanner in the newsroom and I was driving to uh, the area where the individual was spotted um and there was I was behind a whole bunch of police cars so I was just kind of following them anyways and it happened so fast I grabbed my camera and they already had him on the ground and you know when I showed up they didn't have their guns drawn on him but they had him on the ground face on the ground and then were trying to put handcuffs on him and I would say the difference the reason you you went on the call is because they were describing someone and mm-hmm. their direction of travel. Yeah, they were that describing someone. A lot of times, you said a lot of times these things can be something else. I mean, sometimes these things are people shooting guns. They're just out in the woods, you know, shooting guns and mm-hmm. Tannerite and just, you know, yeah, and that kind of stuff. Because they had someone that they and spotted. And this was downtown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Downtown. And, you know, the person that they, uh, they described the person, and I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, Bo was still listening to the scanner, and um, once they got the individual in the police car, I went to the apartment complex to find out more information, because officers on that scene did not have any information, and so I went to the apartment complex to see if there were any witnesses outside that heard anything, anyone that called 911, um, and kind of just waited yeah, that's where they thought at least one of the calls originated. Yeah. I actually spoke to that lady, that uh, the initial 911 call, but she wasn't, she said she thought it was a gunshot, but she said it was kind of loud and kind of faint. So she didn't know the exact direction it came from. Loud but faint. How yes. does that work? What did, what did she mean by that? I do not know. Mm. I wonder if she meant that 
it sounded like it could have been something from far off. It was so loud, but she was still able to hear it. Yeah, that's kind of what I think when yeah. you hear loud but faint. Like it was right. far away, distance, but maybe. it was loud enough that it was still a pretty loud sound to where you're from where you heard it. But it still sounds kind of odd when you're talking about a gunshot because then the further you are away from it, the, you know... It I seems don't know, like the, the less likely you are to report where they are with it, I guess. It seems I don't know. like it could be anywhere. Right. Then. It yeah. Doesn't yeah. Seem like you would, mm-hmm. you know, so. peg the apartment complex as the, as the location for it then. Well then mm-hmm. I guess that's sort of the originating area of the call. So that's where they first canvassed and then they tried to follow this person's, uh, you know, method and direction of travel. So they just sort of tracked back there, but these things develop, don't they? We did put out a breaking story about the call that 911 mm-hmm. got and the apprehension. But yeah, we received a little bit, bit of information mm-hmm. on scene while uh, we were at the apartments. Captain Roy Stevens with the, the Stillwater Police Department had a little bit of information, not much. At that time, they were looking for a weapon of some sort. Um, I asked, do you know what color, what kind of gun, anything, and they had no idea. And so at that point, officers were just looking in dumpsters and tall grass, anywhere that they could look where a gun could be underneath of cars. And by that time, the apartment began to get pretty crowded. People were showing up asking, hey, what's happening? What's going on? And so eventually I just left because there was no developing. And then later on, we found out that the individual was not arrested, was not detained anymore nothing and that it was just under investigation at that time so ashland i have a question uh, the fact that they were looking for a gun makes it sound like the person that they detained did not have a gun on him oh yes he did not have any gun on him at all okay he didn't have any weapon so why did they detain him just because he matched the description um the press release i got from kyle bruce said that he was acting suspicious the individual was acting suspicious and he matched the description, so. Well, see, that's why another thing they told you on scene was they had at least another witness who mm-hmm. claimed they thought this person was putting a gun in his or her, her yeah, waistband. on their waistband. Right, yeah. And he didn't have a gun. So at that point, you know, they were like, where's the gun? We need to find the gun. That's what we need. And a day later, I checked on it. And it was no longer under investigation. There was no gun found. There was no scene found. There was no additional witnesses. There wasn't even a suspect. They actually have no idea if it was even a gun. Not witnesses to an incident, but witnesses who at least told us that uh, this was someone on their way to work, right? Yeah. Yeah. We actually got two phone calls in the newsroom. Mm. Now, you took one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what did that person tell you? Um, he actually asked if we could take the photos down. And I explained to him, um, we are making sure that we're not using words like he was arrested, a suspect, anything like that. As of now, this case is under investigation. Um, I told him I chose the photo strategically, that it wouldn't show his face. Just because if he didn't actually do something that he was being detained for, we don't want to just blast his face out there. And so um, he said, okay, I understand. And uh, I called him back the next day when I found out it was no longer under investigation. And it was I simply asked him if he and his friend wanted to come in and talk. But it's a story that developed in kind of a weird way. It could have gone one way, went mm-hmm. the opposite. But it also... 
is sort of a lesson to why we're so cautious. You know, so many people think when, especially when we do crime stories and things like that, why, why don't you just come out and call that person a rapist, you know, or call them. It's like, uh, you know, we're trying to, this is legal cover, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what, that's what we concern ourselves with. It is, these aren't stylistic choices. These aren't the kind of choices we make, you know, based on anything other than we owe legal cover to ourselves. Not, we can't treat people like they're criminals, you know? Right. And it's kind of like, you never want to convict anybody in a headline or in a Mm -hmm. story. So as, as much as you can use, you know, allegedly or reportedly, you know, you have to give that kind of statement a source, you know, you can't just, so that it's not us just saying it or just suggesting that that's the case, you know? So it's kind of one of those, the the fine line that we have to tiptoe sometimes, you know, in terms of trying to be right down the middle and not try to let it go either one way. Well, and innocent until proven guilty is is kind of the foundation of our exactly. legal system. Exactly. So because someone was questioned by the police, so someone would because someone was detained by the police, even being arrested, uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're guilty of anything. So you can't just brand someone as being guilty of whatever crime it is. It could either be you could be a dude trying to walk trying to walk to work who just matches a description. Or you could be someone who, I mean, there can be so many things that can happen, right? But the fact is, until you're convicted in a court of law, you are innocent. And we do have to keep that in mind at all times. Yeah, these people are, haven't even begun their process. Not at all. And, you know, the system, you know, the court system hasn't even started for them yet, so... Yeah, so there's a big responsibility. I mean, that that's one of the things. We always have to remember that we're writing about people's lives. I mean... The things we put out have the ability to damage someone's reputation, someone's career, someone's relationships. Mm-hmm. And we re- that's a big responsibility. We have to take that really seriously. And at the same time, we don't want to cover up bad things that are going on. I think sometimes people think we're either doing one or the other. We're either being irresponsible or we're covering things up. And the fact is, it's neither. We work really hard to be fair and to be accurate about that. But it, it's a big responsibility, and we take it seriously. Right, and sometimes you're kind of dealing with, I don't want to say like a lack of information, but there's only so much that you can really find out, you know, in any one thing. I mean, I remember that um, there was a shooting that happened about 1030, you know, in terms of when we heard the call go over the scanner. And, you know, our crime writer at the time went out, got, you know, some photos, got a little bit of information at least about what happened, but we didn't know the full extent of the story in terms of that first you know, amount of information we put out, you know, so it might sometimes seem like we didn't do very much on it or we didn't talk to enough people or something. But sometimes there really is just sort of, you know, only so many things that we can actually say because either that's as much as we were given or we can't confirm or deny other things so that we just can't include that in the story. So another point to that is sometimes you're only dealing with the police narrative or the the arresting officials narrative, you Mm -hmm. know, and you're not going to be able to talk to the defendant because they have lawyers they're not gonna you know they're not gonna let you do that so it can it can be like that way it can be that way for months you know sure and breaking news is by definition an evolving situation Mm -hmm. we're going to gradually get information as time progresses so i mean you don't know everything at the beginning and sometimes things that people think at the beginning turn out to be wrong 
I mean, we had people on social media saying it was a bank robbery. Oh, right. They because caught a bank he was, robber. He was apprehended in front of Chase Bank, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you can't always believe things yeah. that you see on social media. Sometimes Facebook does help me out with things, but sometimes it does more harm than good when it's misinformation. And with stuff like this... Uh, there was a hit and run I covered last year, and that was under investigation for over a month. And I had checked weekly on it and didn't have an update. And then sometimes there's things like this where I check the next day and it's no longer under investigation. So breaking news, you never know it, how long it's going to be under investigation or how long it's going to um, take to get the answers that you need. And so when you have people posting on social media, it kind of blocks the truth. You know, there's just and it happens all the time, every time I'm on breaking news. And I usually talk to law enforcement on scene. And I'm like, hey, this is what's being said on Facebook. Y'all need to get something out on your Facebook saying something, you know, to kind of mitigate the misinformation. But this time did not have time to even check Facebook. So that's one thing that I notice. I mean, do you notice this too, Tanner, how, how much time we spend debunking rumors sometimes right yeah I was, yeah i was just about to say um the homecoming wreck remember how that right. day you know the initial report was that she was intoxicated you know right. that she had been at work and then well, left work and, and then first people thought and, it was an explosion right they were saying yeah there were all kinds of things and yeah. then you know i remember the um i think it was freddie paul's you know one of the managers there had called and basically told us that the situation that we had heard regarding her you know having been at work and then left looking really somber and then her leaving that hadn't really happened that way you know so i remember david bitten a former reporter of ours was able to to, you know kind of rearrange his story and then so that was we put out a new story based on the new information that we had heard so you know it's kind of another one of those things where you know you might not know the full story but you still kind of have to put something out because you know and it, and it was related to that story but it was sort of like it might sort of change even after that initial breaking news sure and 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 i should we should say that actually it, it wasn't freddie paul's it was another oh. restaurant oh, that has I a apologize. similar name right that <laughs> So it's like this manager of this exact restaurant. <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. But, the, you know, I mean, that was a weird thing. It has were, been six years. It's so. been a long time. Yeah. It's been okay. a long time. But, uh, yeah, that was a weird thing, too, because there were so many stories going around and, and there was just so much chaos. I mean, breaking news is weird. It's it's really weird. You want to get as much information out as you can so people know what's going on because people see things and they get scared or they get excited about it. But then at the same time, you have to be so careful what you put out. Right. I mean, and yeah, there's, I don't think there's an option to not cover something that is such a public event. Right? Absolutely. When people see somebody face down on the, on the sidewalk right. and there are police with their long rifles standing around him, mm. you know, they take notice. And they assume that that person did something wrong. You know, this kind of reminded me of one of the first things actually covered at the news press. Uh, there was a warrant being served in town somewhere and uh, a transformer blew. And they actually thought that someone inside the house was shooting at the officers. Do you was all remember that? I, a little bit. Uh, Michelle and I went out there and this was when I first started. And Michelle gave me gloves and was like, yeah, it's cold. You know that you need to do this. And okay. she started talking to people and I was taking pictures. But it ended up being nothing but a transformer blue. There wasn't anyone in the house, right? Mm -mm, no, no, there yeah. wasn't even anybody in the house. There, yeah. was, there was a cat, but that was it. Remember that cat, cat sitting there staring out the window the, at it us? It was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I got pictures. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's like in the moment, 
you think the worst is happening, but as things develop, you learn more. So in that moment, things are very tense and law enforcement are very guarded and they don't give information as quickly as when things calm down a bit and they have a moment to breathe, I guess. Now, I also want to note that on that scene, the police were still around. They were still, I mean, you could tell they'd kind of stood down. They weren't on high alert, but they were still around there and they still kind of had the scene blocked off a little bit. I saw someone and I was like, hey, when are we going to be able to get close enough to take photos? And I look around and I'm like, Ashland, Ashland. And I already look on scene. And she's already like managed to work her way past their perimeter and is hiding behind a tree in someone's front yard taking photos. I have a of the method. House. If you walk slow and you watch the ground like you don't make any sound, you walk very slow and you hide behind the trees, you can get very close. That works if you're small. Every time. It literally. And now I just run up there and they're like, hi, Ashlyn. I'm like, where can I go? <laughs> Sounds like you're so. stalking, like hunting. A little you bit. have Not to. That, yeah. You have to be quiet. Going through the woods. Take the pictures silently. back up later. So the, yeah. I think the real question is, how do we protect these transformers? Uh, boy, they to, need some protection, don't do they? Do we need to put some other kind of wire around them to keep the squirrels out or what? I don't know. The city's actually working on replacing a bunch of transformers, which okay. will hopefully increase system reliability. I, I don't know if the old ones have a bad design that just makes them blow up, I but we know. do know su- suicidal squirrels we, uh, do a lot of damage. A lot of a lot of problems come yeah. from those blown transformers. Yeah, yeah, kamikaze squirrels are taking out transformers left and right. Anyway, oh, right. <laughs> so how do we segue from that? We just do. Okay. We just push past. Okay. We're just going to take a hard left. Breaking into crime scenes and <laughs> Hiding behind trees. Uh, yeah. And just say, what else is going on in the city? Well, something that I would like to talk about is rental assistance. The city council this week um, got a, an update. Everyone in the city government that I've talked to has been very concerned about the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. That's obviously an ongoing concern, right? And we've got, um, we had a a program that was put into effect in December. The city took $150,000 of its CARES Act funding and put it toward rental mortgage and utility assistance for people who are behind on their bills. Right. This was the first CARES Act. Exactly. The first one, yeah. Yeah, this was phase one of the assistance program that the city has uh, developed for this. They worked with Our Daily Bread. They viewed it as being extraordinarily successful. Within about, within I think two weeks, all the money was gone. They put a $1,500 limit per household on the amount of assistance you could get, but they didn't have any income limits because at that point they had people who had never asked for assistance before, who was being fur- who were being furloughed, who couldn't cover their rent or their mortgages. And that, that was another thing that they included, which you don't usually see. Uh, they wanted to go into a phase two and the federal government announced that it was giving money out through the Community Development Block Grant Program, CDBG funding, is designed to help low and moderate income residents. And a lot of times they're used for infrastructure, like they might replace a big sewer line in like a working class neighborhood, something like that. In this case, there is money set aside for COVID assistance. The city of Stillwater wanted to use this to fund phase two 
of this rental and utility assistance. They knew that because, uh, as they said during the meeting, free money always comes with strings. And federal money probably comes with more strings than most other things. They knew there would be uh, income limits because you have to be lower moderate income because it's CDBG, right? right? Uh, what they didn't know was that there would be all these other things that you would have to fill out, all these other hoops that you would have to jump through. You had to get, they found out that there is additional documentation required right. of the applicants. Yeah, this isn't just dumping money from one thing to another. Yeah. These are ac- an actual federal grant. Exactly. Yeah. And they can't include it. I mean, they can't just continue it and roll right into phase two the way mm. they thought they'd be able to. So their original partner, Our Daily Bread, now has to compete against at least two other agencies in a request for proposal process that outlines the the program. Now, obviously, I think ODB is going to have a little bit of an advantage because they already ran the first program. And they kind of know how it works and they've got a little infrastructure. But they have to compete for that now because they can get up to 6% of the um, total amount of the grant for administrative costs to cover their costs. Uh, In addition, the applicants have to get uh, their landlord has to fill out a form about the, the amount of their rent. And then they have to have another form that certifies that the rent is fair market value, that it's not elevated. And wow. if and if they pay rent that for or yeah if they pay uh, expenses that cover more than a hundred days then there has to be a lead based paint test which I don't even understand that I don't even understand that why that's tied to it but anyway there's all of this red tape that is going along with this and what this has done now we had the original program that expired in January this one the application was due in February. And they had anticipated being able to start it like in April. And now it's pushed it till at least June before they'll even be able to get the money. And our eviction moratoriums are running out, right? The eviction moratorium's just been overthrown. Yeah. I mean, by by the courts. So what does this mean? This means I need to look at eviction filings is what Mm. it means and see if people are actually losing uh, their homes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a story I wrote, uh, this was a long time ago when I worked down in Perkins, and the city of Perkins got federal money to build a uh, a new wastewater treatment plant. Yeah, I think that's before my time. Well, oh yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But this story actually wound up included in uh, Tom Coburn's like federal fumbles oh, wow. uh, waste report that he used to put out every year. Because I wrote a story about the fact that since they got this federal money, it actually came with all these requirements that drove up the cost of the project so much that the city didn't wind up benefiting from getting the funding at all. <laughs> so, I mean, these are the things that can happen when you're, when you're working with the federal government and you're getting money. Sounds like a scam. That's what a lot of people felt like at the time. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure for Dr. Coburn it was yeah uh, yes Dr. Coburn yeah. definitely had a point a of view of those. Tanner what's going on <laughs> we know you're working you're, you're working at looking at what's coming back right or what yeah I mean because I've just kind of had this sense that mm. you know I mean I'm sure a lot of people feel this way too is that last year sort of just kind of was lost you know or it's kind of like you know the pandemic hits in March and then before you knew it it was June and then before you knew it it right. was you know it, 
holiday time it and then killed, it you know, killed it, our it just, summer a little bit right and, i don't know, you know, you know some people in, could still travel you know, right i mean you know yeah. some people people are still traveling but you know i mean just stuff like concerts and all this stuff just wasn't happening you know right. so it's just i've just kind of been thinking that it seems like stuff's coming back stuff is you know it almost feels like summer will be more of a normal summer this year i feel like you know people can probably plan more of a trip can probably plan more of you know, doing things, I mean, stuff even just like the city pool being open again, you know, just small things like that, that people take for, you know, maybe took for granted every summer, you know, it's just, it's all that's coming back, you know, so hopefully that means that all these things will see a lot more people go into them, you know, people, a lot more people at the Y, a lot more people at the city pool, you know, taking advantage of these types of uh, things that they weren't able to do last year. Do you think anyone here would consider the the digital vaccine passport to have them get into their events? Ooh. I kind of look at it as I know it freaks people out, you know, right. they don't, but I would think if you are a private event space, then you can do something like that. And I just, I don't know. And it seems more like, is that to me, it more incentivizes maybe that's, that's incentive to, to get a vaccine. You get into this exclusive party. I don't know. Uh, kind of like the, yeah. uh, the shot in a beer approach. <laughs> Uh, no, there's yeah. I mean, because we were talking about that. These promotions. There was mm. someone calling for our local brewery, Iron Monk, to you know implement something like this because there are places in the country that are doing a um, a shot and a beer promotion where basically if you get your COVID vaccine, they'll give you a free beer. I mean, I think it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like you know go where people want to be and then vaccinate them while they're there, sort of like the. What the health department did at Calf Fry, which, by the way, we need, oh, still yeah, need to follow we, up we on. We still need to see what kind of numbers they did yeah. at Calf Fry. <laughs> but I agree with Tanner. I mean, it feels like summer's finally here. I mean, I remember like during the whole lockdown, Bo talking about, you know, almost feeling like he was in a fugue state at certain points where you're just Did you guys not just space down. out sometimes? Yeah. Or, or like you have this weird passage of time where you look up and you're like, wow, three hours have gone by. That didn't happen to anyone <laughs> Every else. Every day of my yeah. life. I didn't know what time it was, what day it was. I didn't know anything. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it was the first time I've ever had like a three-day weekend and been kind of bored of being at home by like the Sunday afternoon, being you know, kind of like ready to come back to work. Like that was, thankfully I didn't have to, you know, I only had a handful of days that I worked from home last year, but. I do not like know, working from home. Yeah, so I was happy to be here at, at times, but there was also nobody else to answer the phone or answer questions about all this other stuff going on. So it wasn't fun being here either. Oh but. yeah, just Tanner sitting <laughs> in an empty building, building the paper. I mean, we were, I mean, yeah, I always think though, we were very fortunate to be uh, considered essential to have our jobs every day. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, we were, we were very lucky in that respect that we, we, you know, we got to come to work, you know. Right. Even though it may have changed exactly how we did, you know, I mean, we've always done phone interviews, things Mm -hmm. over, you know, I mean, um, maybe over email occasionally, but you know, that, that being the norm has kind of been sort of an odd thing to get used to you know thankfully now we're starting to meet with people more in person and stuff and that's just i guess you just adapt with how you how you have to right so i mean that's just another thing we can look forward to is actually being able to shake somebody's hand when you go interview them and you know maybe not have to as ashley shakes her head do not (laughs) shake my hand (laughs) yeah see i i'm am looking forward to it i'm looking forward to even i mean even all those events that you cover over and over and over again because i do so much community news 
you know, and stuff. I mean, I'm looking forward to going and taking pictures of the pie ladies at the Payne County Fair this year. There were so many times when I, I sat there and thought, oh, no, it's time to go take pictures of the pie ladies again, because it just felt like we did the same thing over and over and over again every year. And I'm looking forward to all of that mundane stuff. I really am. I'm excited about it. I want to get out. I want to take photos of people. I want to go to events. I actually am excited about this. Yeah, we've, we lost it. You know, April was always a big event time and, and we we lost a lot of those yeah. April events that we used to have even this year I mean like uh, our event calendar yeah, used we, to be packed this yeah we still we still didn't have our you know the arts festival and things like that and I had mentioned what Blazathon before but yes. they are going to have Blazathon 2.0 or something in September so congratulations yeah, thank you it's, yeah. it's just not hooked up to the Kansas City barbecue competition. So it won't be a qualifier? So Yeah, it's not a, it's not a qualifier anymore. So it's a, a local barbecue competition and fundraiser. Okay. So All right. Terrific. Well, maybe next year. Yeah. They'll bring so, it back. This personal thing that I enjoy will be a highlight for us all to end on. It you will guys, be. You guys. <laughs> As it should be, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all about both. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Okay, I think that's going to do it. Thank you for joining us in the newsroom. Thank you for joining us in the newsroom. Look for Studio Stillwater wherever you find your podcasts. Find archived episodes on stwnewspress.com.